we're recording. Oh, Jesus Christ. Once again. I think you're too close. Just move it back. That <laughs> should... <laughs> no, on the way, I was driving over here and I was like, ah, oh, you know what, like, every other podcast I've ever listened to ever is always introducing themselves at the beginning and then at the end. And I assume there's some, like, psychological reason for marketing purposes that this is, like, the best idea to do. But all I know is that's my least favorite part of any podcast. I skip it every time. Yep. Which is why we don't do it. <laughs> well, you know, when you click on a podcast, you know what the name of the podcast is. But what if you forget? And also, <laughs> you don't need to know my name for me to tell you a story. Yeah, we this one could 100% be done anonymously, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, because it's like, I, you know, if you forget, then when the podcast is over, you look again, which you just listened to. Mm-hmm. Nope. You know, also we have a pretty unique name for our podcast, I feel like, especially for the genre. <laughs> I think it's a memorable name. Yeah. So, you know, if you forget it, that's on you, I guess. And also, like, you can know my name if you want, but I'm not going to tell you every time you listen in. Because you really don't need to. And also click on the notes of the show. Yeah, we say in there. We link ourselves. Yeah. We're not hard to find. So, I haven't Googled myself in a while. The results have <laughs> barely changed. There's still, like, my professional and personal achievements mm-hmm. is all that comes up for me. It's not even, like, crime things. It's literally, like, other stuff first, which is impressive. It's not like the, who is this person bio? You know? But look what comes up on the first page. <gasps> wow. I don't know why anybody would be Google searching me in the needs to find a podcast, but... <clears throat> I'm present. <laughs> We're present. The Let's podcast see. is present. Let's see if that even comes up on mine. Because I don't think it does. I have, like, an actual, like... Why does it, one of the first things it says Audrey Dasovich obituary? <laughs> Am I dead? Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. I have What's never understood. Line? Is it one of those, like, who is this person? Arresting criminal records. Yeah. Mine has none of those. That's fascinating. The not. Okay. Wedding registry. Pinterest, Facebook. Oh, it's on Anchor. Yours Here's is a, Apple Podcast. Podcast. How weird. I think it's because I have more search results. Well, ours is too. Well, no, because mine's LinkedIn. Hold on. I went to the second page, and it goes. It's another one of like my you know academic yeah. achievements, and then it's you coming up <laughs> on Spyfly. Am I famous? Are you? Do they suspect you of crimes? <laughs> they should. And and then we have <laughs> my personal achievements again. When's the first time someone searches needs to like search me on those? Oh, so there's Spotify now. Well, it's nice that when you look at pictures now it's, it's anchor three different images of thunder and Frightening. yeah, that's great. Again, I don't know why anybody would be looking us up, but and then fi- to find a podcast, I. I'm on page four of Google. Still nothing to look me up on one of those. Page four no longer has any of my personal achievements, though, which is fair, because I only have five personal achievements, so it's impressive that they got that far. Oh, nope, there's another one. What the heck? <laughs> Being published um, helps helps your uh, Google search. I was going to say, I'm on page two, and there's, like, nothing of me anymore. Yeah, I got I got to page four. And Thunder and Frightening is, mine. is on page three. What happens if you just search Thunder and Frightening? <coughs> page. Sadie, page ooh, four. Ooh, we page come up four. Apple Podcasts right away. Yeah, it comes up on the podcast. That's good. It didn't used to. When I Google searched it before, it did not come up. But I'm on page five. Dad comes up. That's funny. Dad and didn't come me. up on mine. 
Grandma. Thank. Oh my God. I'm wow. So, like, that's cute. Are we established? We're not established. Do we but have we're listeners? Present enough to like. I think it's because you finally got what us on all of the stuff. Wow. Podcast by Audrey Dasovich. Good job, Mimi. You know, I try my hardest. Kentucky, excellent. Well, I really don't actually try my hardest because researching isn't that hard to me, to be honest. Um, Shall we start? Now that we've we've um, narrated our Google searching of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> See, lately we've been doing good. I don't know who's out there listening to us, but thanks mm-hmm. to whoever's listening to us because it makes me feel good when I'm sitting at work doing nothing and I'm very upset about <laughs> my life going nowhere. You're like, heck yeah, 25 people listen to us. <laughs> like, we almost have a thousand all-time listens. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? Way more than I ever thought we'd get. <laughs> What's with that one day? I do. Did somebody listen to, like, every single one of them? Multiple times. Multiple. They're just playing it on repeat. Yeah, I don't know. But lately, it's been really good. I think people have been listening because we're actually putting out weekly content. Um, that It does help. Yeah, whoever's out there listening, thanks for actually listening because we thought we were basically just doing this for ourselves. Never expected. Always appreciated. To like fill, tips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going first this week. <clears throat> Sorry, I sound disgusting. It's allergy season. I've been having major allergy issues and my face has been swelling up. So I know it's just something I'm... I think it's just something outside that I'm allergic to at Mm -hmm. our house. You might have like a new tree that you haven't experienced. Yeah. I'm hoping that's what it is or I'm dying. Not sure which one. Anyway. I sound gross because there's a lot of mucus in my head and throat and everywhere. Okay. (laughs) So, this week... I am covering the story of Windsor's Murder Factory. What? Um, I got my information from ConnecticutHistory.org and Wikipedia.org. Have we done Connecticut before? No, no it's just so we mentioned. haven't done it. Okay, so that makes me feel better. It's a little. The story is a little bit short, but I think it's, it's okay. Um, Mine's three pages long. Okay, good. <laughs> I think it's kind of fun and interesting. So, Amy Dugan was born in 1873 in Milton, Connecticut. Um, also, last night when I kept typing to find Connecticut stories, I thought, there's no way Connecticut can really be spelled like that. Connecticut? But it sure is. Every time I typed it, and I was like, did I really spell that right? But anyway, so I don't think Connecticut should be spelled like that. Connecticut. Connecticut. Anyway, she was the eighth of ten children, gag. She attended the Milton School and the New Britain Normal School in 1890. In 1896, she married James Archer. They had a daughter, Mary J. Archer, in December of 1897. In 1901, Newington widower, I guess that's a place in Connecticut, um, John Seymour, hired the couple as live-in caretakers. I don't have any clue what they did before this. I'm assuming something around that, if they ended up getting hired by this guy. Um, I assume this is just like uh, Death on the Nile, and they actually didn't do much of anything, and then found a rich person to take advantage of. Anyway, after <laughs> Seymour's death in 1904, the archers remained in the house as renters who made a living caring for elderly boarders. So, like, after this guy had died, 
his family kept the house and just like rented it out to people mm-hmm. and then they kept it and they named the house sister amy's nursing home for the elderly so like then a bunch of old people would stay there and they would care for them sister basically amy. she's not she's not a nun <laughs> <sighs> yeah i thought that was weird too and then i looked it up i was like sister amy what? anyway so in 1907 the seymour family sold the house and the archers moved to windsor to open the archer home for the elderly and infirm um, it also I, had different names and different websites. I'm so. already very upset about the way I know this is going to go now. Anyway, <laughs> the Archers ran the home until 1910 when James Archer died of kidney failure. Amy had taken out a life insurance policy on him a few weeks before his death, and the policy benefit enabled her to continue operating Archer Home. By then, Amy Dugan Archer was a pillar of the community. As always. Mm-hmm. She was just a nice woman who takes care of all the elders. So sweet. Suspicious. And kind. Anyway, where was I? She's a pillar of the community. community. <laughs> she was active in Windsor Affairs and even donated a stained glass window to the local church. Which I found this weird because where did you get the stained glass window? I, I think she donated the money specifically for a stained glass window. I don't think she walked in with a stained glass window. I was like, they never... Here you go. Look at what I found at the garage sale. I was like, they never, never even said it was a hobby of hers. <laughs> no, I think she donated the money for a stained glass window to me. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, you know, maybe so. Anyway, so... But according to locals, she seemed to purchase unnecessarily large quantities of arsenic to control a rat problem she claimed to have at the nursing home. The rat problem was being the the people who were there. Yes. So, in 1913, Amy married Michael Gilligan, who was supposedly wealthy and interested in Amy and investing in Archer Home. But he died only three months after their marriage. Of kidney failure? Um, his cause of death was labeled as acute bilious. Bilious? Yeah. Attack? Bilious attack? Um, which indigestion. was apparently severe indigestion. Which... That sounds like a heart attack. <laughs> never in my life have I understood when I read old things that say they died of these things. I'm like, how did you die from that? I don't get it. Because they didn't know what it was. That's just what's written down. Like, go throw up or something. I don't... Did they not, like, make people throw up back in the day? I don't know. I, I assume severe indigestion sounds to me like really bad heartburn, and really bad heartburn can also just be, you know, like angina uh, and a yeah. heart attack. I, that's why I assume he died from something like that. Anyway, so Amy once again gained money from her husband's death. Um, during their marriage, her new husband drew up a will, which left his entire estate to her. His death was just one of the many at the Gilligan's facility, or um, Archer Home, whatever it's called now. Mm-hmm. So, between 1907 and 1916, around 60 residents died at the home. Only 12 residents died between 1907 and 1910, but 48 residents died between 1911 and 1916. So, one death in particular, Franklin Andrews, raised suspicion about Amy's operations. So, one day after working on the lawn around the house and seeming to be in perfect health, Franklin Andrews died, apparently, of a gastric ulcer. After going through his papers, Andrews' sister found papers that mentioned a $500 loan to Amy. So she contacted the authorities because she thought this was strange. Why would her brother be giving more money to her than what she's already getting for taking care of him? 
Bless you. Yeah. Um, so at first, the district attorney didn't really care about the case, but the Hartford Current began an investigation after Franklin Andrews' siblings went to him with the story, which eventually led to Amy's arrest in 1916. So Amy's clients seemed to die not long after giving her a large sum of money. Mm-hmm. This seemed to be a pattern from everybody that had died. Yeah. Um, and around this time, the will had also, um, the will that she had gotten from her second marriage had also been found to be a forgery that was all done by her. Mm-hmm. So that's what was found during the investigation, too. So the trial began in June of 1917 and lasted four weeks. Authorities exhumed the bodies of Gilligan, Andrews, and three other boarders and found traces of arsenic or strychnine, 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 strychnine. Am I right? It's strychnine. In their systems. <laughs> <laughs> At first, they found that Amy had been buying arsenic to kill large numbers of rats, but it appeared she did not buy all of the arsenic. The doctor that I guess she used for the patients and some of the patients had signed off to purchase it. So the investigation um, pursued Dr. King, who was this doctor, mm-hmm. uh, because more evidence was piling up against him. Um, but suspicions were focused back on Amy when someone suggested to clearly check all records of arsenic purchases. And when the evidence was found of Amy sending her patients to the drugstore to buy quantities of arsenic, police were able to arrest and convict her. So not only was she buying all this arsenic, she was sending the people she was going to kill to buy it for themselves. Oh, that's just sick. They didn't know that. That's that's like a that's what whole another level of messed up. That's terrible. That's horrible. So, it only took four hours for a jury to convict Amy of, of operating what the Hartford Current labeled a murder factory. So, Amy was sentenced to death by hanging, but appealed and had her conviction overturned on a technicality. During the course of a second trial, which began in June of 1919, Amy pled guilty to a reduced charge of second-degree murder and received a sentence of life in prison. But after spending time incarcerated in Weathersfield, authorities deemed Amy insane and sent her to the state mental hospital in Middletown, Middleton, where she died in 1962 at the age of 89. So, here is my favorite part of the story and why I did this story. For decades, her story fascinated and horrified the American public. One person in particular being Joseph Kesserling. Kesser Lering. There's an R. I don't know. Kessel Ring, Audrey. (laughs) Kessel Ring. Um, So, he was a New York playwright who decided to take Amy's story and rewrite it as a comedy. His very successful play ran on Broadway from 1939 until 1944 under the title Arsenic and Old Lace, which Frank Capra? Mm Mm-hmm later adapted for um, um, into a movie, which debuted in 1944 and starred Cary Grant. That's crazy. So this whole story, which I'm a little upset that we don't have, like, more info on, like, her actual crimes. Yeah. Because was she, like, actually taking care of these people and then just killing them when she was done? Yeah, is is it like the the women in Arsenic and Old Lace who are getting rid of men 
who they deem like it's so sad that they're alone in this world and yeah. can't care for themselves anymore or is she just like straight up murdering for murdering sake? yeah there wasn't really a lot of information and it's like was something that big that had like literally they do high school plays of it nowadays you think yeah. there'd be more of a good background story on the actual case you'd think but i mean i just thought it was fun because i had no, i like it, yeah. i didn't know that was based on like a true story so, like, did they say how many, like, people she killed? How many guys? Or so, people, I, guess I think it's just women. people. I don't think it was just men. And it says that 60 people died in her care. At least 60 people died. And when she had that, the last house mm-hmm. that she had. Not yeah. the first one. So we don't know how many might have been killed there. Because, like, she killed her hu- first husband. Second husband. No, she First also one, we don't know. Kidney failure is one of, like, well, one yeah, of the things that but... arsenic poisoning does yeah but they I'm assuming only, she killed him they only found evidence of the second one yeah and then they didn't even test everybody so i mean it, it is like for an elderly home so she might not have killed everyone i'm thinking more than 10 but yes yeah <laughs> there's a pretty large number they didn't test they didn't exhume all the bodies they didn't need so to. he just got to prove one <laughs> yeah so yeah i like it i know i like that story. i didn't realize that was a true story but i thought also, it was I, thought it was I just, didn't either. I thought it was I thought just general, it was just... general, women in history have definitely poisoned a lot of yeah. people with arsenic. I know, I was reading this story and then I got to the end and it said that and I was like, okay, I'm doing this story because yeah. I had no clue it was based off a true story. And also, like, it so reminds me of, um, what is that old lady named that was in, like, California who did this? Dorothea Puente. Dorothea Puente? I don't she know basically ran a kind of boarding house for people who would had um, mental illnesses or elderly mm-hmm. and basically would do the same thing. And I just remember watching her, one of her documentaries on her, how, and she was the one that would bury them all in like her yard that the police okay. were digging up bodies. And they were like, there's yeah. no way this elderly woman could be doing this to people, but she was. And it just really reminded me of the part <clears throat> where they said that one man. Franklin Andrews was out in the yard doing yard work and seemed healthy and then was dead the next day mm-hmm. because that's what people would notice about Dorothea Puente yeah. is that her people would be outside doing something or they'd see them around town and then the mm-hmm. next day they're dead of some like kind of failure and they're like they never like, seem how? sick. Like, yeah. How? That would that would be showing signs before. Yeah. So yeah, I just saw that too, and I was like, "This is like crazy." I feel like I should have known about this story if Dorothea Puente is such like a famous yeah case. But I I guess it's so old, just nobody knows about this stuff anymore. They know more about Dorothea Puente, so therefore she's a because if she happened in like the eighties, yeah, was when she versus this one, we don't know what. Yeah. Who, what, where, when, why, how for most of it. And that's another reason why I like to cover older stories. Yeah. Because we like to we like to cover the ones that are untold that people don't know about because they're forgotten. Anyway. As I go into a story that people definitely know about. Okay. Um, well, I told because, one that isn't. Because <laughs> I didn't... I had never heard it. Okay. But when like, I read through, it's like, there's people who are into this stuff know this. Well, it's like, people know all oh, these of stories. Course, of course. But it's just like, I... They're not well known to me. The ones, and this is something I look at all the time. Yes, exactly. For people who aren't necessarily doing their own research and only gleaning things through media. Yes. <laughs> or a, documentaries on here Netflix. Here might be a different one for you, you know? Right. Uh, maybe not this Yours one, is though. paranormal, right? Yes. Okay, good. Um, it's always, the paranormal ones are always more told. Okay, so my story. Yes. Covering the, gosh, Phelps Mansion. I hate it every time because I want to pronounce it so many different ways. And I know it's only one. It's Phelps. Michael Phelps, yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like Michael Phelps. (laughs) My sources are Wikipedia, Encyclopedia.com. And most of it is from (laughs) theglittercollective.com. And holy cow, did they do an amazing job 
putting all this together. Like they I've never did, heard of that website. They did all of the background research I normally like to do. Yeah, going into those uh, to the ancestry stuff, going into the you know what are current events happening in the world that might cause people to be doing. We'll have certain to remember things. that to uh, um, they look did on there. An amazing job putting this story together. So ten out of ten. Check out Glitter Collective. They might have some other great you know stories to tell on there. Um. I hope they're, like, a good and reasonable source, and I didn't just, like, really encourage someone who's doing, like, bad work, you know? Yeah. But it seemed, it it made sense, and I tr- cross-checked it with other sources, and it was, it was solid. Um, and it was, it was very similar to how I, like, do my research, and that's, I think, why I appreciated it most. <laughs> yeah. Eliakim Phelps was born in 1790 in Belchertown, Massachusetts. He attended Union College in Schenectady, New York. Um, he was a Presbyterian minister. Um, he had three surviving children from his first marriage and eventually gets remarried and has three stepchildren from his second marriage. And then together, him and his second wife have a child. Um, so seven kids. Yeah. They, they're moving all around, but eventually they end up in Philadelphia. Um, and from Philly, they this is when they first move to our haunted house in Strat- Stratford, Connecticut. And they Stratford do this in- sounds familiar. Yeah, that's right. what I kept thinking, too. And they did this in 1848. And the his three adult children don't move with them. It's her three kids and their, their Together. child baby. Child baby. He was little then, I think. Child baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's a toddler. They're a new child. <laughs> the younger, that really young one. The youngest. You know, that itty-bitty dude. Um, his name was Sydney. Um so, Eliakim was also a practitioner of mesmeric healing, also known as animal magnetism. What? We'll get there. I decided that this is worth um, describing. It has uh, almost nothing to do with the story, but also maybe everything to do with the story. Yeah, this so, seems interesting. So, animal magnetism Wait. is the idea that all living things, so like plant, animal, human, because... This was Anything that's alive. Animals. Yes. If it's living, it has has this um, Laban's mag- magnetismus, which is like the literal translation is life's magnetism. Um, and this is like a force that be- could be used and manipulated to like heal. If you, it's, it's magnetic fluid is what it is. It's like an episode of Avatar. Yeah. Bloodbending episode. Yeah, like bloodbending, but it's not blood. This is this mysterious magnetic fluid that can be manipulated by a mesmerizer. I mean, if anything's magnetic um, in you, it would be the iron in your blood. It's true. That's true. Um, by by mesmerizer, which like Eliakim was one of these mesmerizers. And I mean, it, so, so it's like I guess like what kind like, of a name is Eliakim? You know, I just it's, keep it's staring really, at it on there, and I'm like, it's like a really really old Hebrew name. I've never heard he's, of him. He's my like, life. you know, a Quakerish background, and they yeah. had a lot of names like that. They went really, really deep into the Bible. He's, I mean, he's obviously a Presbyterian minister, yeah. but that's 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 the same line of Calvinism that Quakerism's from. So, anyway, the Stratford House was built in 1826 by General Matthias Nichol for his daughter and son-in-law. How nice! Yeah, very kind of him. 
So it was a three-story Greek revival, and the interior, at least the entryway, was specifically designed by the daughter, whose name was Eliza, to look similar to the main deck of her husband's clipper ship, which no, is very cute. that's so funny. Like, it, so it had, like, a really distinct entryway, <laughs> essentially, so it looked like a boat. So it's a, it's a very Navy-themed house on the inside, apparently. What is a Greek revival? Um, what does that mean? It's, like, with those, with, they had, like, the giant pillars in the that's front. Right, okay, and, I was gonna yeah. say, is it pillars? So it's, that's all it's I it sort of. of looks inspired by, like, the Parthenon. Yes, okay. So Phelps bought the house from Eliza, who, and then they, in that, blah, blah, blah. Phelps bought the house from Eliza in 1848, um, and they own it until 1859. After that, it was sold to Moses Beach, who founded the New York Sun, Oh. And then it was inherited by his son, Alfred, who opened the Stratford Institute in the house. It's a private boarding school, maybe? At least a private school, so if not a boarding school. So this is a giant school. house. It's a signi- yeah, it's a three-story, like, one of those, like, it's just big Huge. box. yeah. A big cube, essentially. So it's at least three stories wide and deep and, you know. Yeah. Big enough house to, to have school in it. Which means Eliakim was doing pretty good. I was going to say, how did a pastor a afford that? minister. Also, he was older, though, if he had three adult children. Yeah, so, so and maybe he's doing some other investment yeah. and stuff. He's, he's, he's like, the magne- into the mesmerism. The magnetism is... Yeah, he's into the... He's also into spiritualism. Okay. So he's, like, he's hanging around with some of he's the upper like crust the crowd, right? He's, like, ahead of his time, right? it seems like. He's, here's the thing. He was also, like, super into, like, feminism and all that. He was, like, super alternative thinker wow. for the time. He's actually a good person, maybe? Nothing um, he, Here's the thing. Nothing in here is bad. Well, he, there's, I found hear. nothing bad about him, and and listen, Glitter Collective. He might be a new historic did, hero. Did like a thick amount of like personal research on him. Yeah. So, as as I already said, um, he's he's into mesmerism, and along with the mesmerism, he's also into the spiritualist movement that's just popping up now. It's, it's like a pretty new idea still, and I th- think this was a very prevalent portion of his life because his. One of his sons was doing something related to it briefly, like, as a side hobby. Mm -hmm. But his daughter became, like, a prolific feminist writer, poet, and she wrote biblical romance novels and spiritualist novels. So she's, like, super... Like, like clearly they talk about these things in the home. This is not, like, a private men's only conversation. Um... Which is that seems that seems pretty cool. Yeah, that he's he's into these alternative thinkings enough to empower like his it's children and his like daughter. To, oh yeah, <laughs> seriously, um, to to go out there and be vocal about it. Yeah. So let's get to the haunting because that's why we're all here. Okay. <laughs> so on March fourth, eighteen fifty. So they've been in the house for like two years now. Mm-hmm. I don't know when they bought it in forty eight, but it could be up to two years. And a friend comes over to visit Phelps, and after dinner, the friend convinces them to try a seance, which is, like, he's into the spiritualism movement. This is not a ridiculous request. So, the results of the seance were some intermittent and disorganized knocking, and that was about it. Typical stuff. Yeah. So, six days later, March 10th, the family returns home from church, and they find all the doors to the house wide open, and their belongings are strewn across, the, like, the floor of the house. There's... Everything's everywhere. Yeah. So, um, obviously, they think they've been robbed. Like, what else would be the perp... Like, why else would that be that way? <laughs> so, you know, they're investigating, seeing what has been taken. And then in one of the bedrooms, they find Mrs. Phelps' nightgown laid out on the bed with the arms crossed over the chest like a corpse. 
Oh. And then it has... Wait a minute. That's how I sleep at night. Yes, that is how you sleep at night. <laughs> Drew noticed it the other day, because he rolled over, like, cut on me, and I'm literally just, like, laying like... Yeah. You either, you either like, look at corpse, or you lay with them, like, up and over your head and crossed. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm, like, some weird dead body, for sure. Yeah. But he rolled over to, like, try and cuddle or something while I'm trying to go to bed. I'm like this, and he, like, like laid his arm over, and he was like, why your arm like that? And I was like, it's comfortable. This is how it, I sleep. I do that a lot. I do that a lot, too, though, when I sleep on my back. And he was like, you're like a dead person. <laughs> anyway, so that's how this nightgown is laid out on the bed. Like me sleeping. And there's then probably it, picture proof of it what's, somewhere. What's honest to goodness, the weirder thing is that there's stockings, like, set up in the skirt to look like little feet <gasps> hanging out. That's so funny. Yeah. It so is that's, like Beetlejuice. Yeah. That's what I'm picturing. Um, I mean, nobody appeared like that, but. Yeah. But that's what it, that's what it feels like. Something Beetlejuice-esque. Beetlejuice-esque. So that's 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 weird. <laughs> yes. Very strange. Anyway, so as they're searching the house, they realize nothing has been stolen. Um, like, there's a gold watch and all the family silver is just, like, obviously in view and entirely undisturbed. So, like, anything that was a normal of target value. for a thief is not taken. So they, you know, clean up the tidy up the house. Um, Eliakim sends his family back to church. And I don't know if this was, like, for a safety reason or if there were still church activities to do for the day. Like, they'd come back for lunch and they were going to head back for the rest of the day. Because that's, that's how old things He probably sent them back went. to, like, check the house and make sure there's yeah. no one around still or something. So, well, he sends the family back. He stays. He lies in wait in, like, the upper stories of the house waiting for the burglars to come finish the business. Because clearly they hadn't stolen the things yet. Um, and after a while, like, he hears nothing. Nobody's come back. Um, so he heads downstairs and looks in the dining room because now he's like, he's trying to see it. Well, maybe they're being really quiet, right? Um, and he finds 11 women, some kneeling, some standing. Wait, where? In the dining room. 11 <gasps> women, some kneeling, some standing, some holding Bibles, some not. All completely still, like freaky no. still. They're all focused around a small, quote unquote, demonic figurine <gasps> um, that's suspended from a cord from the center of the ceiling, like in the room. No. And when I first read that, I was like, okay, why are all these women here? Where'd they come from? In why are they home. doing this activity in his home? But I think, I think, based on, this is like putting multiple resources together, um, because they all tell the story in a slightly different way, because I think the interpretation's really confusing, mm-hmm. um, that these were not actual people, but in fact, dummies. Dummies? <laughs> dummies. Dummies made from the family's clothes and stuffed with rag with rags. Why? Here's the thing, though. This becomes a very regular portion of this haunting. By who? Wait, that's... Audrey, it's a haunting. <laughs> yeah, well, who's doing it? But we'll keep... Let me talk. <laughs> well, get it out. So, after this first thing, these 11 dummy women focused around this demonic figurine... Um, more dummies appear in the house over time, just like loosely in different poses and different clothes, still in the family's clothing, still stuffed with rags, but they don't know who's making them because they'll just like, you'll, you'll leave a room and come back in and one's there kind of is how I understand it. I would it. throw up. Um, and like the family's on guard at this point. They're trying to figure out who the heck is doing this stuff and absolutely no one can explain how these are getting here. And here's the thing. At the entire time, be aware that a lot of people in history think this entire thing is a hoax or, like, a prank played by someone in the home. Okay. Um, but also... That's what everybody thinks about most hauntings. It's, it's true. And, you know, maybe they are. But that that's why, like, the fact that he's into spiritualism and mysticism... Or not mysticism. 
makes it more magnet animal magnetism yes um makes it's like okay maybe he was trying to get other people to believe in it by yeah. like tricking them or something that's 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 why that's like a relevant thing to mention but not necessarily relevant at all if he didn't actually do anything so a total of 30 figures were constructed and found during the haunting <laughs> Which is, like, a lot of clothing for the family to have. Yeah, how is it going missing and not being noticed? Um, I assume they, like, <clears throat> dang, now my favorite dress is a dummy. And then they unstuff the dummy and put their dress away. Yeah. So I, I, it's very possible that these are, like, recycled clothing items and not... Well, I would assume 30. they would still take it and use it. <laughs> not 30 separate not outfits the family it. owns. Because that's a lot of clothing <clears throat> for old-timey people to own, yeah, by the is. way. <laughs> Everyone has, like, two dresses then. <laughs> So during the sixth month haunting, that's how long this happens. There's six month of six months of paranormal activity in this house. Uh-huh. Um, things that happen include objects moving through the air, and I, and I, from what I understand, it's not like being thrown, but like floating. Yeah, it's a gentle movement compared to a throw. Um, you know, family that's members almost being not even scary. Carried, um, pinched or slapped. I forgot. So. My coworker has a lot of like paranormal experiences in their life, but they I don't wish specifically I had believe in the paranormal like at all. Yeah, just weird um, things happen and they don't know constantly. Why. <laughs> yeah, like and they'll report and they're like, "This weird thing happened." And you're like, "That's that's weird." You know. So like recently, um, their aunt died and their niece was like, "Oh, you know," and this this is you know their mom's sister. Uh-huh. She's understandably sad about it, and is that a problem? No. Okay. <laughs> That the screen just changed to something else. Um, I lost my place in my mind. She's sad about it. Oh, yeah. So she's understandably sad about it. So the niece, because they, they watch the grandkids a lot, was like, oh, you know, Grandma, why are you so sad? And she's like, well, you know, your auntie blah, blah, blah just died. And she's like, but she's right there. <laughs> no. And everyone's like, no, you know, she's in heaven. Like, she's gone. And Why like, do people still right act like that with their kids? I'd be like, and does she look happy or angry? Right? <laughs> <laughs> does she look kind? What's she wearing? Yes. <laughs> what does um, she look, does she have a scary face? No, and she she's like, no, no, like, Auntie Blah 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 is sitting she's right there. She's literally right there. And, and my coworker's like, and yeah, that's that was like... Like, his aunt's spot in the room when everybody was over for the holiday, holiday, like, how, over at the house for yes, holidays. Yes. Like, that was, that was, that was her chair. And, like, like, his niece was insistent that, that Auntie Blah Blah is right there. Which is <laughs> so fun. But they, lose this family own. has so many experiences like that. Like, they'll just walk in. And, like, they'll walk out of the house and they'll hear, like, their grandfather, who's been long dead, say, you know, bye, have a nice day. Like, <laughs> happens all the time. Very regular thing for them. It's, you like, know, it's, it's like, like a universal family sort of Is there a weird portal that's in that house that doesn't let them leave I don't know if it's a something? weird portal or they have a lot of very specific traditions. Like, they kept a lot of the old world traditions compared to most Americans. And I wonder if there's just, like, some credence to some of these Maybe. things they're still doing. Like they're they're the ones who do the the weird Catholic, um, like saint waterboarding. Yeah. Where they put the saints upside down in water and stuff. Yeah. And it, maybe it's very effective. That's crazy. And it's just we no one here experiences those things like that because they've lost a lot of their traditions. Yeah. Fascinating family though. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Okay, anyway, so things like, things that happen in this house, objects moving through the air, um, family members being carried, pinched, or slapped by invisible forces, 71 total windows were broken during these six months. Jeez. I assume that means they're, like, continually replacing, replacing them. Replacing them. Because, like, six months be is a long many. time. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they had 71 windows in the house. <laughs> That's too many windows. Which would be, like, crazy expensive to keep fixing if, if the adults are putting on this hoax. Yes. Um... Food would be thrown at family members. Loud knocking would be experienced. Um, cries would be heard with no source. One time an umbrella was reported to have leapt into the air and then flown 25 feet. Um, I like that. <laughs> I like the leapt into the air. I know. <laughs> and then think smaller objects were said to, like, violently launch across the room. So, like, clearly nothing is here to hurt hurt anybody. Just spook them a little. Just, just, just mess with them a little bit. Okay. So... Sometime during the early phases of the hauntings, Mrs. Phelps insisted that Eliakim get help to stop the paranormal events. He invites their friend, Reverend John Mitchell, over to investigate. Um, Mitchell determines that he thinks the children are pulling the pranks. So he locks them away in the house. Oh. I don't know for how long <laughs> or where. Because that seems like a weird... Like, why wouldn't you just send them away briefly to, like, a relative? <laughs> yeah. Locks them in the house. Um, but even after doing that, the events continues. Like, in Mitchell witnesses these things happening. So he witnesses objects moving. Um, things popping out of thin air was a common thing to happen. Like, um, just objects? Yeah. It would just, like, pop into the room and fall to the floor. Okay. So he started witnessing things like that, which convinced him that was this was probably not a hoax, hoaxer prank, because he's like, oh, okay, so these weird things are real. He's basically he's hearing. It isn't possible. What for he thinks my is a nonsense story. No, this is this is the the investigator oh, friend, oh. not Eliakim. Eliakim is seeking help because he doesn't know it's else weird. To do. Yeah. <laughs> so soon, other investigators, spiritualists, and journalists begin to turn up to try to prove or disprove the hauntings. And this includes Eliakim's Kim's older sons, who are well-thought-of, sober Boston professionals. Okay. As in professionals in the business world. Yes. You know, like, well-known people. Um, and Trustworthy, they in other yes, words. Yes, yes. They, they're not known for shenanigans. And they were not a fan of their family's new notoriety. Okay. Which is reasonable. So the brothers experienced loud pounding on the front door. With no visible source. Um, and the weird part is, is they are standing on either side of the door. <laughs> with one brother on the inside, one brother on the outside, both like, staring at the door. No. Did you do that? And, no. <laughs> and it's just banging. The door is just banging while they're on either side. <laughs> That's scary. So this knocking like this eventually moves to Anna's door, who's one of the stepdaughters, who's like, you know, obviously not an adult. Yeah. Um, as she's still at home. <laughs> With the kids still. And again, they're two people positioned. I think it's, they have a guy there, and I don't know his relation exactly, but he's a doctor, and he's the one who, like, writes, like, the memoirs of these events, essentially. Yeah. He's there, he writes down everything he experiences, and he's there for most of it. Um, so it's this guy, this doctor fellow, and one of the brothers, like, the older brothers, um are on either side of this door while this knocking is happening on her bedroom. And they both insist that the door is coming from their side. Like, the knocking is coming from their side of the door. Yeah. So, like, they're... Because, like, obviously, when you hear knocking on the door, you can tell which you side it's tell, coming yeah. from. 
and they both insisted coming from their side and absolutely seeing nothing. But these knocks were so strong that they left dents in the door. Oh my gosh! And like a wood door? I Can't assume be a metal. wood door. It's not plastic. It's not metal. <laughs> How do you leave dents in wood? And you know, maybe it's soft pine. Also, it's very easy to leave dents in wood. Just hit things hard. I mean, yeah, but like. Um, I assume you're not doing it with your hand, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. You're using an object. So, Anna was often pinched and slapped, and usually while the oh, family could nice. see it happening, oh. and they would watch the bruises and welts form on her arms oh. and face. You know, mom bruises so easily, you could say a ghost freaking bruises her. No, but seriously, that's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe she's just, like, an easy bruiser. Or, like, an easy, like, I, I turn really red when you just do, like, the slightest scratch to me. So, like, I, I it could also just be that. Um, her brother, Henry, got it. Got the worst of the paranormal abuse, though. Oh, no. Um, he was pelted with stones while driving with his stepfather once. So I like him. <laughs> and I, I assume that means, like, in a carriage with the horses. Yeah. Um, he was once carried across the room by invisible force and then dropped on the floor. <laughs> he was thrown into a cistern. He would, he would vanish and then later be found in, like, weird other locations and situations. Like, one time he was unconscious in a haystack. Oh. One time he was tied up and suspended from a tree. And not, not like... Like, tied up, like, around yeah. his, like, you know, from his waist or something like that. Not not in a way that would, like, endanger him unless he was, like, forgotten there and starved to death, right? Yeah. Um, the one time he was found in the shelf of a closet with a rope around his neck. <gasps> That's a bad one. There's all ridiculous things happening to this poor guy. Maybe he's an alcoholic. <laughs> he's a child, Audrey. <laughs> so, I think he's, like, 12 at the time. Um, Dang. You could have been an alcoholic back then. So, Eliakim had made several attempts to communicate with the spirits haunting his family, um, I think at the beginning of this, these experiences, but never would get far enough into the communication to learn, like, who they were, why they were doing it, you know, things like that. Yeah. Because the spirits would immediately say such blasphemous and offensive, offensive things right out of the gate that he would just, like, shut down the communication session. <laughs> Um, spirits would also leave Bibles open to significant passages. They would write symbols on the walls and eventually wrote letters to the family, signing them with things like, by Sam Slick, which is a name for the devil. Beelzebub, another name Sam for the devil. Sam Slick? Yeah, Sam Slick's a name for the I devil. I have never heard of that, yeah. and I'm going to start or, using um, it. Honestly, honestly, that's my favorite one. HP Devil. I don't know what the <laughs> HP stand for. <laughs> so, once these letters appeared, falling happy, from nowhere... Happy, happy time. <laughs> um, so once one of these letters appeared, falling out of nowhere in the middle of one, is, one of Mrs. Phelps' tea parties, saying, Sir Simbos compliments and begs the ladies, spelled L-A-D-D-Y-E-S, to accept a token of esteem. I don't know what any of that really means. <laughs> but that is a letter that once appeared. Um, I'd be like, so do you want an invitation? Because <laughs> you want to, like... Should I have invited you, spirit? <laughs> Sam Slick. Um, happy Peppy Devil. Well, I, right now he's Sir Simbo. So oh, okay, okay. I don't know what that one means. I don't either. <laughs> Finally, after taking a break from what I assume was these verbally abusive seances, like clearly they weren't. Yeah, no <laughs> one's being kind. N- nope. Eliakim tries communicating again. Um, this time finding out that the spirit was a soul from hell. Oh. That he requested pumpkin pie and a glass of gin. And that he was once a law clerk who had worked for Mrs. Phelps and committed fraud. Uh, I like that he wants pumpkin pie and a glass of gin. This is 
quality. That's actually... Is this me? Here's the thing. The whole reason I covered this story is because of that right there. Because it was, it was in, it was again in my little calendar of spooky stories. <laughs> Apparently an earthquake happened. Oh, where? Here at 530. I didn't notice. Um, we might have been, no, we weren't driving. We, we were weren't. Here. Let me see if it hit our area. How big was it? I just saw three different people on Facebook post about it. Anybody feel that earthquake? Uh, there is where it happened. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, so he's, he, yeah, he wants pumpkin pie. I like that. <laughs> the spirit. I think that's me. <laughs> what's, what's funny about this is that Elijah immediately dis- dis- dismisses this communication. He's like, this is nonsense. I don't, this is not, can't possibly be You're not be getting your damn us. pie. No. And, and this is, this is an alcohol-free household. They go, they ask the law firm in question, because like, I think they were more specific about who they were and who they worked for. Mm-hmm. Um found out that, in fact, the law firm had committed fraud, I think, towards them. And Lycan was still like, there's no way this is the spirit haunting us. Sir, if you're into spirituality, you should think. I don't know why he just dismissed it. It was really weird. Anyway. Maybe he's a fraudster. Could be. And doesn't want to be caught. But then why would you go and check? (laughs) So the Phelps moved back to Philadelphia during the winter of 1850. And I think it's just for the winter. Um, because they returned in the spring of the next year, after which um, they were never disturbed again. Huh. There were no further reports of paranormal activity in the house until it became a nursing home. Oh. And during this time, staff reported strange noises and odd occurrences. And eventually it attracts Ed and Lorraine Warren even. Oh. But I, I do agree. I think it's because it became a nursing yeah. home, not because the spirit returned. Mm-hmm. Who wanted pumpkin pie? Um <laughs> Maybe the next owner moved in. There was, like, a squatter that moved in and gave him pumpkin pie, and he said, Someone now else. I, now I may pass. Remember, other people buy it Well, after yeah, they but leave. in the winter is what I'm saying. Yeah, they, moved they left back the pumpkin pie and, and went home. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe a squatter moved in and was like, you want what? Pumpkin pie and so, gin? I got that in my sack. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few th- theories about the sources of the haunting. Um, one, that Anna and Henry were paranormal conduits. Okay. So they were attracting and... You know, yeah, they like to say that a lot about places with like little kids, yeah, or young young people. Their Anna energy. Was, here's the thing: Anna in. was 17; she was not a little kid. No. Um, Henry was 12. That's that's young enough. Yes. But, but yeah, that that kids somehow have a weird energy connection, which I believe they do. Well, and it's normally <laughs> whenever it's like dark spirits, they say it's like kids going through puberty mm-hmm. too. That they are attract attracting this energy. Like little yeah. kids can attract any kind, mm-hmm. but like teenies. Yeah. Age-ish. Teeny boppers. Yeah. Um, another is that the house was haunted by a ghost of either either a murdered peddler oh. or a woman who had been murdered for being a witch. These are the two options. The Why only are these two the options. only two options? They to- I don't know. He told you who he was. I know. Did he not? A lawyer. <laughs> a lawyer who's currently in hell and all he wants is pumpkin pie and gin. <laughs> So, some say that Henry or Henry and Anna were pulling pranks, and it is um, worth mentioning that Anna did not return to Connecticut in the spring of 1851, so when they returned home, and therefore, like, if Henry was doing it with Anna, he lost his partner in crime, and so, like, no one can tie him up anymore, you okay. know? It's in hand from trees. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, my theory is that it could very well have been the kids, or just, like, a squatter in the house, who was living in, like, the space between the walls. Because, like, a lot of old houses had, like, significant space between walls for um, insulation purposes. 
like enough mm. for a per- you know like you know like have you seen Kanto? No. Bruno lives between the walls. Uh-uh. Um, or like the people who live in the attic space. I think I think there was like passageways in here that weren't necessarily meant to be passageways, but uh, especially a kid could fit into. Yeah. Who, and they were. Um, it could very well that be the kids or a squatter were just messing with the family through these wall passages. Yeah. <laughs> Able to make things look like they're appearing from nowhere when really it's just coming through a hole in the wall that you don't yeah. notice or things like that. That's that's what if it's not paranormal and I. It, there's I, I don't know why those dummies this is the one time in history that dummies are being made by a ghost that's what's weird to me yes that's a very <laughs> that's strange... why I think it's somebody but it's also like things could have been happening small things and the family just decided to hop on a train and make it bigger well because it's the same time that all those other fraudulent yes. spiritualism people are doing mm-hmm. stuff like those twins yeah and other yeah. families that are really being tricksters to get money and such, but they don't seem to profit from these events. They just seem to be having these events happening. I've never heard of that. I it was so familiar and not familiar at all. Yeah. And I think it's just because a lot of things like this probably because scary time. movies take mm-hmm. parts from all these kind of oh, things absolutely. and everything else. This is very much so things that I tropes that have. But been I've in scary definitely movies. never heard of the creepy dummy cult thing. That's no. really weird. But my. My theory that I'm going to go with... Here's the thing. The house burnt down. No, not burnt down. It did not burn down. It was demolished between 1972 and 1974. I'm not sure when exactly. But it it was, like, entirely dilapidated. Okay. It was going to be more money than it was ever worth to save. Yeah. Um, I'm going to picture it. So, like, there's no... We can't can't figure out, was there space between the walls? Yeah. Were there these extra things that made flitting around to a BLO prankster easier... Because that would, that would be the one thing I'd check. That'd be the first thing I'd check. Is like, can you fit between the walls? Yeah. Can a 12-year-old fit between the walls? I'd go in. Anyway. <laughs> I liked our stories today. Yeah, those are fun. Thank you, Connecticut. Good job, Connecticut. <laughs> well, um, if you like our podcast, since we actually have listeners that we can talk to, um, <laughs> rate it on Apple Podcasts. Rate it on Spotify. Spotify. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. There are probably other ones that have reviews, too, but I don't really listen on other things, so I'm not sure. Tell your friends. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Tell people who aren't your friends. TNF Podcast. (laughs) Yeah, just go tell a stranger. Give them a note and just walk (laughs) away. Um... (laughs) That'd be so funny. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye. Um... Anyway, I guess uh, try not to kill anybody and dumbass with Ouija boards. Bye. Bye.